Thank you for joining our podcast here at Peninsula Covenant Church. Stay tuned as together we'll study God's Word. Hey, Merry Christmas, PCC. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for your word. Thank you for these songs. Thank you that we can rejoice even amidst our realities uh, because you're outside of time and you never change. And our joy is anchored and found in you. Teach us what that means, Lord. Raise joy in your people. Let it be contagious. Move from us to this city that you love so much. We love you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, whether you're watching alone uh, on a screen or with your family, or if you're in one of our house churches, hey, house churches, uh, grab your Bibles and open them up to Luke chapter one. And let me ask you a question while you're doing that. Can you multitask? What's your favorite Christmas carol? What's your favorite Christmas carol? Say it out loud right now. Don't Don't say the carol, just give the title. Okay, for me, by far, Oh Holy Night. By far, especially when it's sung by Josh Groban. Or Carrie Underwood just came out with a version of it. It's amazing. Or by our very own Ian Pitter, who may or may not be singing it on Christmas Eve. I think he will, and you don't want to miss it. We're in this series called A Weary World Rejoices because we refuse to let COVID co-opt our Christmas joy. In PCC, in saying that, I'm not discounting the pain and loss we're experiencing at Christmas. What we're trying to do, and and some of your pain and loss is extreme. Please, I respect that and even validate that. What we're trying to do is highlight the hope and joy that Jesus produces, almost in defiance of our circumstances. In Luke's account, we're looking together at the five songs that are in the birth narrative sung by weary people and we're looking at each one week by week last week do you remember we looked at elizabeth's song mary the main character today and elizabeth met at their doorstep and rejoicing broke out because the reality was from elizabeth's perspective the eternal creator god had come near to her personally her lord had come for her regardless of your favorite christmas carol Today's passage is the first Christmas carol ever sung. And in my humble opinion, it's by far the best carol ever sung. It's so rich, we're not going to be able to go through the whole thing today. I encourage you to do it on your own, though. Today's song is traditionally called the Magnificat. Now, Magnificat is a Latin name that originated thousands of years ago because the first word in the Greek language which Mary sung was magnify. Remember, this is a song from the mouth, think about this, of an unmarried teenage peasant girl who just found out she's pregnant. Okay, I've been a youth pastor prior to becoming a lead pastor. I was a youth pastor for about 15 years. And I engaged in those 15 years in a handful of teenage pregnancies. Each teenager who carried that pregnancy through to completion was a courageous and is a courageous woman in my mind. But none of them in my office, with or without their parents, telling me they were pregnant, burst into song when they told me they were pregnant. But there's something about Mary. Ponder with me. 
What would cause her to rejoice in the midst of her weary world at the thought of being pregnant? I want to look at her song, and together I want us to see what gave her joy. Because that joy is available for us too. I want that joy, don't you? Uh, Mary's been called by some commentators the first Christian in that she's the first person through the Magnificat who actually finds her life changed by the Christmas message. And that's the whole point of Christmas, to celebrate that we get changed lives. God came into the world. The Christmas message is actually this, that God's only child entered humanity so that humans can become God's children. I'm going to say that again. The Christmas message is that God's only child entered humanity so that humans can become God's children. That's the gospel. And it will transform you if you allow it. So open your Bibles to Luke chapter 1. We're going to be all over, but we're going to start in verse 46. And let's see at the core, she, she announces, I'm transformed. Look what it says in verse 46 and 47. My soul glorifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God my Savior. In other words, she says, I have been rocked to my core, down to my soul and spirit. They're synonymous, really. I've never experienced anything like that, like this that has moved me and gripped me to my core. This is a changed person. Even changed from when she first heard the announcement. Every follower of Jesus Christ who identifies as a Christian understands that change. We understand what she's talking about. We understand the audacious claim of Jesus that there is a gift available to everybody and that Jesus didn't come on Christmas to be an additive to our lives. You know, it's not like we were just like five degrees off morally and Jesus came to tip us to the center and to be right. Jesus came to upend and transform your life in the best way possible. So what is it that brings about this great change? Well, look in your Bibles, everybody. It's in verse 48. Look at the first word of verse 48. For. See, that word means because. In essence, she's saying, I've been transformed at my core because of whatever follows from verse 48 to 56. Friends, that core transformation, that's the real deal. And it gave Mary a joy that pushed back against her weary circumstances. Now, follow me. It didn't change her circumstances. If anything, Jesus coming to earth complicated Mary's weary world. Mary's rejoicing was the overflow of her understanding that God was up to something supernatural and that she was getting to be part of it. Think about it, church. God is still up to something supernatural. If COVID hasn't taught you that, you're not paying attention. God has stopped the world and God is on the move and he's inviting you and me to join him in heralding this amazing truth, God is for you. There is life outside of our COVID world for you that will cause great joy. When Mary sang that first Christmas carol, she was totally changed. <laughs> when you and I sing Christmas carols today, the best most of us can do is just a sentimental feeling, right? When we sing chestnuts roasting on an open fire, that doesn't change us. 
What's the difference? She's gripped by the truths of Christmas. I want to look at what she's singing about. What are these truths that she allows to grip her to the core so that we too can rejoice in our weary world? So let's look at the first aspect of it. I'm just going to pull out some points. She sings of God's character. Now, none of us would have scripted our Christmas narrative that we're living in for 2020, right? None of us would have written this script. I guarantee you, though, that all of us would keep our 2020 script if we had the opportunity to trade scripts with Mary's Christmas narrative. Yet the joy of the Magnificat should humble us all. Before we jump in, though, let's get some context, okay? Mary's still unsure of so much. Uh, She knows, if you look up in verse 26 to 38, from Gabriel's announcement to her, uh, she knows that that, that God is coming to the world through her because she will be an unwed mother. Her life is going to be essentially ruined. She knows that. She'll be labeled her whole life by her village. She won't be believed by her parents. She won't be believed by Joseph initially. She'll be ruined socially, relationally, financially. And yet she submits to God's plan. She says to the Lord, I'm your slave. You call the shots. But there's no record of joy in verse 26 to 38. And sometimes that's the best you can do in obedience, frankly. And there's nothing wrong with that. Obedience is obedience. But as soon as the angel left, he gives her a clue and he talks about Elizabeth. So she beelines it to Elizabeth's house, which was a several day journey. And perhaps on the way she's contemplating, did that really happen? What in the world is going on? And she enters Elizabeth's house and is greeted by a song that we looked at last week. (laughs) This whole birth narrative with five songs, it reads like a great musical, actually. She's greeted by, blessed are you among women. Blessed is a child you will bear. And Elizabeth says in verse 42 and 43, Why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? Elizabeth's song is Mary's tipping point. And the angel's words are confirmed by Elizabeth's song. God was about to change the course of human history. And he's allowing Mary in on his plan. And at that point, mere words aren't enough. And so Mary starts to sing. Mary understood the ultimate meaning of Christmas. God coming to earth manifested the character of God, right? Look at verse 49 to 50. Now we can jump in. Look at his character. Look what she sings. The mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. Friends, this just shows me how much we need community. It wasn't until Mary and Elizabeth collided in their experiences that joy breaks out. Mary, from that, is reveling in the attributes of God. And now let's look at those attributes. Here's the first. She says, God is mighty. God is mighty. Earlier in Luke 1, the angel Gabriel came to Mary, and look what it says in verse 35. He said, Mary, the Holy Spirit will overshadow you, and you're going to conceive so that the child who's born in you will be the Son of God. And look at Mary's response in verse 34. 
how can this be? See, what she's really saying is, wait, wait a second, that's impossible. I, I know I'm a teenager, but my mom had that talk with me. I know how pregnancy works. How is this going to happen? That's what she's saying, because Gabriel comes, Gabriel comes back in verse 37, and how many of us have taken strength in this verse? Mary, nothing is impossible with God. We know Mary was an exceptional Jewish girl. She knew her Hebrew scriptures. We know that even from the Magnificat that we're looking at. It's packed with Old Testament scriptures. And, but PCC, there's a difference between knowing the Word of God and trusting in God's character and power. Gabriel, in essence, says, like all Jewish women, you intellectually believe in the power of God, but practically you don't, Mary. So go see Elizabeth and work this out. I think that's true for us, too, 2,000 years later. I think that's the reason I'm excited for this Sunday, to renew our minds. Christmas is the ultimate manifestation of the Almighty God. Now, for most of us who identify as Christians, we'll shake our head and go, yeah, it is. But how are we living that out practically? How is that informing our decisions? How is that informing our relationships? How is that informing our giving? How is that informing uh, what we're trusting God for? He's almighty. How mighty is he? He's so mighty, he ordained that the pre-existing second person of the Trinity, the beginningless creator of the heavens and the earth, would become an embryo inside Mary. That's power. And it should cause us great joy because of God's might. Listen, that might isn't changed by our circumstances. And that might may or may not change our circumstances. God is in a vending machine to make everything work out right. But it will change you. It'll change me. I want you to take 30 seconds and ponder this. How does God's almightiness, how is it changing you right now? PCC, do you see, do we see Christmas as an expression of God's might? Or do we see it as a nice set of sentimental stories that we can't take literally anymore? How does God's might factor in your decisions, your priorities, your outlook every day? Look, I'm pretty passionate about this because I've witnessed God's might in my life time and time again. I've seen it in full display and this time of year, we think a lot about it in our family and the birth narrative and adoption process of our fifth daughter. God clearly called us to adopt this precious girl who just turned 12. But he didn't tell us there was a price required for international adoptions, tens of thousands of dollars of which we would never be able to afford. He didn't tell us when he called us to this that four times the U.S. State Department would communicate to us throughout the process, it's impossible. There's no way this adoption will go through. 
He certainly didn't tell us that her case, for reasons I'll never understand, literally had to cross the desk of the Secretary of State of the United States of America for her approval. Every birth is a display of God's might. I think every birth is a miracle. But Jojo, she is a living, breathing, walking, 12-year-old billboard to the Gadini family of the Almighty God that can make anything happen. Nothing is impossible with him. And then Mary goes on in verse 49. Look at this. Not only is he mighty, look what else she says. Holy is his name. Next in her song, she's pondering God becoming human, and she says, oh my gosh, he's holy. Holy is the purest attribute of God, and it should cause all of us mere mortals to pause. And we see holiness on display in Isaiah chapter 6, verse 3. It's the only attribute that's used of God three times in a row. They were calling the angels to one another, saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. That word holy, what it means is God is free. He's free from sin. He's opposed to sin. He'll never get used to sin. I think one of the problems we all face in 2020 is that we do get used to sin, especially this year. We're used to disease and death. We're used to racism and the racially unjust systemic realities that we're living in. We're used to objectifying comments or inflamed and painful social media posts. Teenagers are used to body shaming, bullying, being objectified, pressures put on them by our culture to perform. We get used to the outright lies and slurs. We're used to the abuse of substances, of people. We're used to corruption, compromise, greed, padlocks, policing, prescriptions, passcodes. Just part of being human in 2020. We're used to it. God is holy and we'll never get used to these things. And Christmas is a celebration of a holy God coming to our rescue. Mary seemed to get this. Of course, she wasn't told by Gabriel that his ultimate reason for coming to the earth would be to die on the cross for the sins of humanity. Yet she knows his coming, Jesus is coming to deal with our sin and guilt. She doesn't know how, but in that statement in verse 49, she's saying, I know the reason you've come is because you're holy. As a kid growing up, I can remember multiple times my mom using this statement with me, wait till your dad comes home. I'm actually still literally in therapy for that statement. But at its core, my mom was saying this, look, little Gary, there are some transgressions you commit I'll deal with, but there are some acts of rebellion so heinous that only your father can deal with them. And you wait till your dad comes home. Christmas is humanity's wait till your dad comes home moment. And unlike most, most in my you wait till your dad comes home moments, God didn't come to earth to punish us. He came to earth to rescue us. I shared this verse last week. Here's a different translation of the same verse. John chapter 3, verse 17. Look what it says. God didn't send his son into the world to judge and condemn the world 
but to be its savior and rescue it. That's why we can sing joy to the world. Lyrics like no more let sin and sorrows grow, nor thorns infest the ground. He comes to make his blessings flow far as the curse is found, far as the curse is found. And we, like Mary, can rejoice in lyrics like that to our core. Friends, do you sing like that? Singing, Lord, you stopped at nothing to rescue me. Christmas is an expression of your holiness. PCC, weary PCC, we can rejoice because God is holy. But there's one more attribute. We're going to quickly go through it. God is merciful. Look at verse 50, what she says. God is mighty. God is holy. In verse 50, his mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. That includes us. You know, that word mercy is actually a combination when it came out of Mary's mouth of God's loving kindness, his faithfulness, his loyal love. Uh, Mary could be pointing back to a myriad of Old Testament passages that point to God's mercy. Uh, like this one in Psalms 100, verse 5. The Lord is good. His loving kindness, same word Mary uses, is everlasting. And his faithfulness is to all generations. What's cool about this, and just track with me, is Mary doesn't just see God as being holy or God being mighty. She sees this third attribute. And if all three aren't together, we're doomed. If God is just holy and mighty, we should be weary, right? But the good news is, the good news is that God is merciful. We're not lost. We're not hopeless. Listen, you think COVID is wearisome? If God lacks mercy, huh, that should cause us to be weary. But put together will cause our hearts, like Mary's heart, to sing. His mercy means God has made a way for me to be in a forever relationship with the almighty, holy God. Because he withholds what I deserve and gives me what I don't deserve. That's called grace. I see that every day. Little acts of grace and mercy of God. Even the fact that I can have this breath, even the fact that we can experience this together, that's God's mercy. Can you imagine if God withheld his mercy, where we'd be? So Mary sees them all three coming together and it causes her to sing because she says God's character is amazing. And in the rest of the song, she sings of his purposes. And we don't have time to go through that. I'd encourage you to do that. But she rehearses, wow, we've been in 400 years of silence, but the reality, and she goes back 2,000 years, God has done something in history that completely changes the relationship of every human being to God, and it's crescendoing through this baby in my stomach. That's what Mary's saying. Here's what I'm saying as we close. PCC, look at the screen. God is for you. He's for every one of you. And PCC, today, when you go on your way through our peninsula or wherever you are, where you live, you will never lay eyes on anybody for whom God is not for. He loves the world. He is almighty. He is holy. And he's merciful so that we might be in a relationship with him. So let's pray together. 
Father, we thank you so much for your might. We rest today in the fact that nothing is impossible with you. Father, I know my own life, I am a living, breathing icon of that passage. I still have a long way to go, but who I am today makes no earthly sense apart from the power of your Holy Spirit. My marriage, my family, being a part of this community called PCC, the character of my life, it's all a display of your might. And you're holy. I thank you so much that you are free and you never get used to the sin. I thank you that evil has an expiration date. And that one day, Lord, we will quit fighting our sin nature and be able to live with you in a new heaven and a new earth where we never have to deal with bad news. And Lord, thank you for your mercy. Thank you for not giving us what we deserve. Who could stand before you if you give humans what they deserve? Jesus, thank you for coming to our rescue. Lord, may we well up with joy when we think of your character. COVID can't change that. When we think of your purposes and how you want to use us this day at this age in 2020 to change our world. May we be icons of your might, of your holiness, in your character. I'm sorry, your mercy. Let a song come out of us that draws people to you. We pray this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Thank you for tuning in to our message podcast here at Peninsula Covenant Church. We would love the opportunity to connect with you more. We are located in Redwood City, California, and you can find us online at wearepcc.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by simply searching for We Are PCC.